Glory to your name. Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Well, today we should conclude our series on managing your family. I hope you got something out of this. I hope you're not just hearers of the word of God. And you become doers of the word of God. Amen. Glory to God. Because once again, I'm giving you all the things you got to do so that you don't have to go to a financial counselor. And pay them thousands of dollars to learn how to handle your money. Amen. And once again, we know when God put together the first family, he put together also the what? The first business. Say, my family is a small business. Come on, say it again. Say, my family is a small business. And here in Romans chapter 12, verse 11, it says, not to be what? Not slothful or lazy or slow in what? Business, but fervent in spirit, serving who? The Lord. Because once again, you can't serve the Lord properly if you don't have your business together. If your family is tore up from the floor up. Financially. 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 You will not serve the Lord properly. That's why he said, not be not slothful in business, be fervent in the spirit, serving who? The Lord. We found out in the book of Ecclesiastes that dreams come by handling business. We talked about how you need to learn this before you get married. Well, I, don't, I ain't getting no amens from my single people. Amen? We looked in Deuteronomy chapter 24 and showed how handling business causes a couple to get up on the right foot. We talked about following God's method, God's method of doing business. Why? Because God is the ultimate businessman. We also talked about couples have to work together. Amen. Couples have to work together, and families have to work together. In other words, get your children involved. Amen. Come on. Towards a what? Towards a shared goal, and they must learn to share methods together and communicate. You need to communicate. Tell your neighbor, communicate. Amen. The word told us to write division down and make it what? Plain. So we need to write down what we're doing. You should already have some type of plan for 2016. Or you ain't been listening to the word that I've been saying. Amen. We found out there are laws of poverty as well as laws of prosperity. We looked at the ant, the coonies, the spiders, and found out discipline is required. And how to restrain. How to restrain. How to restrain our spending. In other words, stop. Spending. Then we talked about leaving an inheritance for your children's children so that the next generation can start off prosperous. We talked about why, why should you co-sign for somebody and then they come and take your house, your car, come on, say amen, somebody, your bed. Amen. We went into detail why you should get out of debt and stop paying all that interest. We also talked about God hates divorce. And one of the reasons he hates divorce, because why? Divorce will cost you a lot of money. Amen. Amen. You know what I'm saying? It's still true. It's cheaper to keep her. <laughs> I don't care how you want to twist it. It's true. <laughs> Nowadays, she gets more than half. <laughs> Hallelujah. And we talked about the love of money. Come on. What the love of money has done in our society. That's why we got this abortion and all the other stuff going on in this world today. We've seen that the subject of first fruits or the tide has a lot to do with the family business. And the first thing, that people, the first thing people do when they get in trouble is they start robbing God. Okay. We talked about lending people money. Amen? A rule that you must always follow if you're going to lend somebody some money. Never expect it back. Let's say it all together. Never expect it back. If you expect it back, don't lend it. Never what? 
expected back. Glory to God. Then the word told us, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Because the other, the flip side of that, if, listen, if we want somebody, if we want, let's, let me just get it right. If we, if we want to do that to somebody else, why should we do it to them? In other words, listen, if you're receiving money and you're giving expectation to people that you're going to pay them back, you have an obligation to your word and pay them back. That's called walking in love. Because you wouldn't want them to do it to you. Amen. Turn once again to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Because all the things that I've taught over the last two months to get yourself out of debt, get your life back on track financially, I hope you've been listening, handling yourself properly, stop fighting between you and your wife or family about money, Come on, handling the future for yourself, your children, your grandchildren. All those things are excellent, and they work, and we thank God that they do work. Amen. They do work. Amen. Tell your neighbor, they do, work. they do work. But you must remember there is another side to this, amen, that you must apply. Look at verse 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Are you there yet? Amen. It says, but this I say, he was so sparingly, Sharif also what? Sparingly. And he was so of what? Bountifully, Sharif also what? Bountifully. Now, he talked about two things here. He talked about planning or giving in a sparingly way or planning or giving in a what? Bountifully way. Amen? Verse 7, every man what? Every man what? According as he what? Purpose in his heart. So he's talking about offerings. He's not talking about tithes. He's talking about what? Offerings. It says, so let him what? Give, not what? Grudgingly or of necessity or out of distress. For God loveth. God loves a what? God loveth a cheerful giver, not a frowning giver. Come on. Because cheerful refers to an attitude you have when you do give. You can't give with the wrong attitude or you might as well keep your money in your pocket. Come on, say amen, somebody. It says God loves. God loves. God loves a what? Cheerful giver. And when you talk about what God loves, if you love God, then guess what? What God loves, you love. And it says God loves a what? Cheerful giver. Verse 8, and God is able to do what? To make all grace abound towards you that you always have in what? All sufficiency in how many things? All things may abound to what? Every good work. We read that from the Amplified Translation where it reads, Every favor and earthly blessing comes to you in abundance so that you always, under all circumstances and whatever the need, be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnish an abundance for every good work. Then it says, and charitable donation. See, you have to understand that God is in the business of blessing his people regardless of the economy. Let me say it again. God is in the business of what? Blessing his people regardless of the economy. But know what he said here again. He says he's able to make every favor and every earthly blessing come to you not just a little bit, but in abundance. So much so, so that you are always under all circumstances. And whatever the need, be self-sufficient. That means you're not begging anybody. Possessing enough to require no aid, no support, and furnish an abundance to what? For every good work and what? Charitable donation. Now, when he says that you may abound to every good work, that's tell, that tells you what God expects of us. God expects us what? To abound in every good work. Tell your neighbor, God expects you to abound in every good work. Go to 1 Timothy 6.17. Keep a mark on 2 Corinthians because we're coming back. God expects you to what? 
abound in every good work. That's what he expects of you. That's what he expects of you. Come on, say amen, somebody. We read in 1 Timothy 6, 17. Notice what he says here. 1 Timothy 6, 17. He said, charge them that are what? Those that think they have it going on. Right? He said, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not what? High-minded, nor put their trust in uncertain riches because riches are uncertain. They can be, you can have it today and it be gone tomorrow. But you better trust in the what? In the living God who does what? Who richly, who gives us richly what? All things to what? Enjoy. Who gives it to us? God. Verse 18, why does he give it to us? That they do what? That they do good and that they be rich in what? Good works. That's why he gives it to you. That you be what? Good. And you be what? Rich in what? Good work. Then ready. Ready. To what? To distribute. It says ready to hold on. It says ready to distribute. Come on. Remember that word distribute today. Ready to what? Distribute. Willing to what? Communicate. See, God expects you to not only get your life in order, so that you don't have yourself under stress, operating under the curse, he expects you to be in that position so that you can be a blessing. God wants you blessed so that you can be a blessing. Come on, somebody say, that's me. Why? Because your life, your life should always be geared to being a blessing. Let me say it again. Your life should always be what? Geared to being a what? Blessing. Matter of fact, go to Genesis 12.1. That's what God told Abraham. And we're supposed to be descendants of Abraham. Come on. We're the seed of Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. Look at verse 1. Genesis 12 verse 1. get a ringing up here. Look what it says here. Now the Lord has said unto Abraham, get thee what? Out of thy country, from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a what? Land that I will show thee. He said, I will make of thee a what? Great nation. And I will what? I will what? Come on, say, I'm a seed of Abraham. He's talking to me right now. Come on. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Come on, somebody say, that's me. Come on, are you the seed of Abraham? He said, thou shalt be a what? Blessing. Then they said, I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curses thee, so they better watch out when they talk about you. Why? Because in thee, all the families of the earth shall be what? Blessed. How many people want to be a blessing in here? So go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 9. Come on, say, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Come on, say, I'm blessed to be a blessing. See, if you're not going to be a blessing, why would God bless you? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 9. Look what he goes on to say. It says, as it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the what? Poor. His righteousness remaineth for how long? Forever. Now verse 10 is key. It says, now he that ministers seed to the sower. He, talking about God, that ministers seed to the sower. God's the one who gives us our seed. Get that straight. God's the one that gives us our seed. The reason you have that job, the reason you have that business, God gave you that so that you can minister, because he gave that as seed to sow. That's why you always look at your job as seed. And the reason I have addressed, I have addressed this over the last few months is because it's because the Lord has given us seed. Year after year after year. Every time you got your paycheck, every time you got your tax return, 
every time someone has gave you a holy handshake. God has given you seed. Amen? But most of the time, we blew it. We threw it away. We let it go out the window. Come on, say amen, somebody. We foolishly spent it. We foolishly spent it. Then we turned around and said, God, I need some more. Thinking God is Santa Claus. God is not Santa Claus. And he's not a slot machine. Hello? We are supposed to be good stewards of what he gives us. Let me say it again. We are supposed to be what? Good stewards of what he gives us. Listen, if we are good stewards of what he gives us, then we ought to be doers of what he says. And if we have not been able to do as he says, it's not his fault, it's ours. It's ours, folks. Because he's true. Come on. He never lied. He's the one that has given you seed year after year, day after day, to what? So he gives seed to the what? Sower. So he expects, he expects us to be what? He expects us to be what? Sowers. It says, both, both minister bread for your food. Then he says, notice it says, he multiplies your seed. Sown. Then he say he ministers bread for your food and multiplies the seed that you keep. He only multiplies the seed that you sow. So if he never sow no seed, God can't multiply. Come on. So he can't put your, his super on your natural. What does he multiply? What's he multiply? Seed that is sown. How many people think we should have some fruit in here? Because he says he what? He'll multiply a seed sown and increase the fruits of your what? Righteousness. Now we found out there's a number of ways in which we have gotten our fruit. This is one of the ways. When we sow into the lives of others, then fruit is produced. When we do what? Sow into the lives of others. Turn to Proverbs 19, 17. When we sow into the lives of others... Fruit is then produced. You should always be looking for somebody to sow into. Because why? You're producing fruit. Are you with me out there? And God only multiplied the seed that's sown. He don't multiply the seed you try to hold on to thinking somebody's going to take it. Or somebody's going to misuse and abuse you. Come on, say amen, somebody. Out of fear that they may treat me wrong or do me wrong if I give them this money. Because why? Majority of times, if you're expecting a reaction from somebody, don't give it. Say it again. If you're expecting a reaction out of somebody because you give them something, keep it in your pocket. Because that's the wrong motive for giving. You're not giving something just where you can get to see them a smile. If they don't smile, if they look at you and say, just take it, snatch it, fine. All you did what God told you to do. That's between them and God, not you. But when you get an attitude because they didn't treat you the way you wanted to be treated because you gave them something, they should have been grateful. Should have showed a little gratitude. Say thank you at least. You know how you are. And then you get angry. So what happens is you just put wheat on your seed. Because now you're saying, I only gave it to receive a reaction from you. So that was motive giving. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. Let me find Proverbs 19, 17. There's some other areas that he's talking about here. Come on, we're talking about not only how God has t just taught you how to handle your family business, but now your family business, now that your family business is straightened out, now that your family business is straightened out, at least it's on the road. At least it's on the road. Let's try to slide over here. At least it's on the road to be straightened out. In the name of Jesus. 
<laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Now he's teaching you how to cause it to increase and be better. So he says here, he that have what? Pity upon the poor. The Hebrew reads, anyone who stoops in kindness. Lendeth unto who? The Lord. And that which he has given, notice now, it says, will he pay him again? Why? Because God has a thing about the poor. When you help poor people, when you give to the poor, God said, I'll give it back to you. Who would you rather get it back from? Them or God? So it doesn't matter if they smile at you. Doesn't matter if you get a pat on the back and get put in a newspaper. Get on CNN. It doesn't matter. Why? I'm not looking for accolades from them. I'm only looking for accolades from God. And God says, when I give to the poor, he said, I'm going to take care of you. So if I keep my attention focused on God, I don't care what reaction I get from the people, you can't bother me. Why? Because I'm only doing what he told me to do. And since I'm doing what he told me to do, I'm going to expect it from him, not you. So you can smile, you don't have to smile. Because God can give me a greater reward than you ever could give me. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Amen? So you want to be in a position so that you can help someone else who is poor. But how can you be in that position when you broke? And you ain't handling your family business. I go to Matthew 22:37. Matthew 22:37. That's why God wants you blessed. That's why God wants you to handle your family business. So you can be in a position to help somebody in need. But if you tore it from the floor up, how can you help somebody? And what kind of witness is that for God? When he said, I, I own a cat on a thousand hills. Come on, I walk on pavement. Amen. That you wear around your neck. Then you're going to come, come and tell me that you're my child and you wearing rags? Come on, you parents know yourself. If your child is looking raggedy, you know they represent you. And they look at you, look up and say, You ain't wearing that out of the house like, like that. What do you think God does when he sees us broke, down and out, and we sit up and say, hallelujah, glory to God. Do you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? No, if y'all got to be broke as you. Okay, y'all don't want to hear that. Okay. Matthew 22, 37. Notice what it says here. Jesus said unto him, thou shalt what? Love the Lord thy God with all thy what? heart with all thy what? Soul with all thy mind. This is the first and what? Great commandment. And the second is like unto, the, unto it, thou shalt what? Love thy neighbor as thyself. Love thy neighbor as thy what? Self. On these two commandments hang what? All the law or, the, or God's teaching and instruction and the prophets. Well, how can I love God? Because loving God is more than just words. Loving God is more than just words. We know that in the natural. Come on, say amen, somebody. If you really love someone, what will you do? Come on, you would take care of them. You would help them if they needed help. You would look out for them. Come on, say amen, somebody. You would give them gifts. You would give them whatever they need. So when you say you love God, that means you love what God loves. So you have to ask the question, what does God love? God loves People. Come on, say God, God loves, loves people. God loves people, and God did it precisely what he's telling you to do. John 3, 16, for God so 
loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Why did God give his only begotten son? Because he so loved people. He so loved the what? The world. Come on. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Listen, he didn't hold back. He gave his very best that he had. Come on. And we ought to imitate God for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We're supposed to imitate that. We're supposed to imitate that. Go to Isaiah 53.10. Tell your neighbor, you're supposed to imitate that. You're supposed to love people like God loves people. And when you love people, that means you're willing to do something for other people and not be selfish. Just think about you and your four no more. Hello? Sometimes we can get very selfish. As long as I'm taking care of you on your own. And that's not what God does. Amen? That's not what God tells you to imitate. Come on, say amen, somebody. Isaiah 53, 10. Notice it says here, Yet it pleased the Lord to do what? Bruise him. He has put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul what? An offering. Somebody say offering. Underline that word offering. You don't have it underlined already. An offering for sin. Come on, because that's called planting. Planting. And it says he shall see his what? Seed. And the word his is italicized, meaning it was not in the original text. So it should read, he shall see seed. He shall see what? Seed. Come on. God saw Jesus' seed that he planted. And he took his, he took his very best seed. He planted his seed. And what, what made him plant his seed first was love. But there was more to it than love. Love was the underlining reason. But God had a second motive. It says he shall see his seed or shall see seed and he shall what? Prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord. Somebody say pleasure of the Lord. The pleasure of the Lord shall what? Prosper in his hand. Oh, what is the pleasure of the Lord? Jesus was what? The only begotten son of God when he was planted. But how many sons of God do we have in this room now? see about five hands go six hands go up how many sons of God do we have in this room right now see Jesus is no longer the only begotten son of God now he's the firstborn amongst many brethren come on say amen somebody matter of fact go to John 1 12 he's the firstborn of many brethren John chapter 1 verse 12 John 1, 12. It says, but as many as what? Received him. To them gave me what? Power or authority or right or privilege to become what? The sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. God planted a seed. And once again, God's been getting a harvest on his giving ever since. Come on, you and I are harvest from the seed he planted 2,000 years ago. And every single solitary day, somebody's coming to God and somebody's becoming a son of God. Amen? Then God turned around and said, that's the way I want you to act. That's the way what? I want you to act. Because the principle is still laid out in Genesis 8.22. Turn there. This principle is still laid out. And it's one of the principles we got to stand on. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. Genesis 8, verse 22. It says what? Come on, this is the principle, folks. It says, while the earth remains, is the earth still here? So while this earth still remains... It's going to be what? Seed 
plant some seed, over time, I'm going to get a what? Harvest. Then he said, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. In other words, this principle does not go away. Seed, time, harvest. Seed, time, harvest. Folks, it works. It works. If you plant a seed over time, God's going to give you a harvest. It works. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, there's a supernatural side to all this, and you don't just operate the natural that we've been talking about. We went over the natural over the last eight weeks, folks. See, you got to get on the supernatural. Somebody say supernatural. See, you get the natural to straighten yourself out. Come on. Because you what? If you operate on the natural side correctly, handle your business. Come on, say amen, somebody. You will have much seed to sow, and you will have much harvest if you handle your business correctly. And guess what? You'll get to a place where you become so blessed that when you do see other people in need, you don't have a problem giving to them. Because you're so blessed. But if you only just get over to the natural side, I'm going to take care of my business, that's it. All you'll do, you'll close up your hand and you'll starve yourself. Because why? Nothing's flowing through you. Come on, say amen, somebody. And why would God continue to bless you if he can't get it through you? Amen? Go to John chapter 6. John, St. John chapter 6. Bishop Butler, our spiritual father, your spiritual grandfather, <laughs> amen, he gave us a word 20 years ago and a message he gave at the church. And one thing about the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord never ages. That's why sometimes, you know, most people, you know, even when the word of the Lord goes forth in this service or one of our services, most people don't write it down. So you forget what God said. And that word is still going on. The Bible says that word will not return void. But it accomplishes that which you please and prosper in that which. Once God sends that word, he's watching over that word to perform it. But it's your job to water the word. By writing it down and repeating. Say, that's for me. I'm going to say this over and over again till it comes to pass. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. But the word of God, the word of the Lord never ages. And here's what he said. What's with the word of the Lord? It said, why wouldn't it be so, saith God? The money you give causes others to be free and to walk in liberty. Why wouldn't it release freedom and liberty for thee? Giving is an act of love, an act of God. It's like being God. The more you act like God, what heaven is, is manifested for you in the earth. Somebody say, I'll take that. Come on, that's true, folks. Have you found St. John yet? Now, in this story, Jesus is going to test the disciples about this very principle that we're talking about. Because Jesus was always teaching his disciples. He was always teaching them. So here in verse 5... He says, when Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said unto who? Philip. Now, Philip is one of his disciples, and he asked this question. Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now, I want you to either underline that word buy, circle it, but that's a key word. Whence shall we buy bread? Whence shall we what? Buy. buy. Somebody say buy again. Amen. Now, we see here there's a great company or a multitude of people. Now, we know as we read the rest of, this, as we read the, rest of the story, there are over 5,000 men, not including women and children. Come on, say amen, somebody. If there are 5,000 men, there are at least 5,000 women. That's minimum. 
And then when you get men and women together, there are at least children involved here. Hello? So there has to be over 10,000 people out here. Somebody say 10,000 people. So Jesus asked the question, when shall we buy? Somebody say buy. When shall we buy bread that these, talking about these 10,000 plus, may what? Eat. Somebody say buy. Now he's asking Philip, do we have the money to buy? Do you hear me? He's asking Philip, what? Do we have the money to buy? So he's talking to Philip about what we have in our treasury. Are y'all with me out there? See, sometimes you hear teaching about this, and all you hear mention is a little boy's lunch and how he gave it. But that's not the correct interpretation of that scripture. See, Jesus didn't say anything about giving anything. He said, where can you buy bread so that we can feed all these people? Ain't that what he said? Where can we what? Buy some bread so we can what? Feed all of these people. First of all, Jesus wanted everybody fed, including you. Come on, including yours, including the poor. Jesus wants everybody fed. Come on. He, was, he wanted everybody fed. That was there in that day. Come on, say amen, somebody. So he comes to his disciples, and the disciples had a treasury. They had a treasury. And you read stories where people gave into Jesus' ministry. Matter of fact, let's look at a couple. Go to Mark 15, 40, for you can get a picture of this. Mark 15, 40. He had a treasury. They had a treasury. Because why? People gave into his ministry. Mark 15, 40. I said, there were also women looking afar off, among whom was Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the less, and of Jose, and Solomon, who also, when he was in Galilee, followed him and what? And did what? Ministered. They took care of him. And many other women which came up with him unto Jerusalem. Look at Luke 8, 3, chapter 8, verse 3. So it says they ministered unto him, right? They what? Ministered unto him. Look at chapter, Luke chapter 8, verse 3. Say man when you get there. Luke chapter 8, verse 3. And it says, Johanna, the wife of Shusa, Herod Stewart, and Susanna, and many others, which what? Would they minister unto him? Of their substance. So they received offerings wherever they went. But look at Luke chapter 21, verse 1. So they received offerings wherever they went, right? Luke 21, 1, just to solidify what I'm saying. This is Jesus. It says he looked up, and what did he do? What did he do? He saw the rich man casting their gifts into the what? Treasure. Was he taking up an offering? Was he taking up an offering? He was watching them what? Cast gifts into the treasury. And he, also, and he saw also a certain poor riddle casting in thither two mites. And he said, of a truth I say unto you that this poor widow has cast in more than you all. For all of these have of their abundance cast in unto the offering of God, but she of her penury has cast in all of the living that she had. But the point I'm making is Jesus received offerings. You mean to tell me that they would talk about Jesus today? Yes. Because he received offerings. Come on, say amen, somebody. Now go back to John chapter 6, verse 6. You got that, right? So they have a treasury, right? He received offerings, and guess what? Jesus and his 12 disciples lived off that while they did their jobs teaching the word and traveling. They lived off the treasury. They lived off the offerings that they received. 
Let me say it again. They lived off the offerings that they received. Cool? So when Jesus was asking Philip something, he was asking Philip to spend money out of the bank account that they, have, that they all had to eat from. Let me say it again. When Jesus asked the 12 disciples, come on, say amen, somebody. When he asked Philip, amen. When he asked Philip, he's asking Philip to do what? Spend money out of the treasury. I'm talking about the same treasury that they all have to eat from. And guess what? The disciples weren't by themselves. The disciples were married and they had children. Keep a marker there. Go to Matthew 19, 27. They were married and they had children. Matthew 19, 27. Are you there yet? Keep a marker in John 6. We're going back. I said, then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have what? Forsaken all and follow thee. What shall we have therefore? Well, what was he asking? He said, what are we, for, look, look, we forsaking. We're giving away all. And Jesus explained to us what he was actually forsaking in the next verse. Jesus said, and everyone that has forsaken what? For everyone that has forsaken what? Verse 29. What? Houses and what? Brothers and what? Sisters or what? Father or mother or wife. Or children, or lands for my name's sake, shall receive what? A hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. So they had wives, and they had children. And see, the disciples weren't a bunch of single guys. Let me say it again. The disciples were not a bunch of single guys running around the country. They were people with obligations. They had businesses. In fact, when Jesus found Peter and his brother, they had a business. One of the disciples was a tax collector, so he was very wealthy. They were ordinary people just like you and I, folks. Come on, are you with me out here? Now, I want you to really get this question. Go back to John 6, 6. I want you to really get this question. He's asking Philip. Are you there? Jesus is saying, I want to feed all of these people with the money we got in the treasury. You got that? You got that? He's saying, I want to feed all of these people with the money we got in the treasury. And here's Philip's response. Amen? Then in verse 6 it says, and in this he said to what? To prove him. He said this to what? Test him. Listen, he said this to test him. Are you with me out here? To see if he yet got this principles he's about to teach. And see if you got this principle he's about to teach. He said this to what? To prove him. For it says, for he himself knew what he would do. And verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. So it's understood. Listen now. So it's understood that they have 200 penny worth. Are y'all with me right there? Amen? But whatever they do have is not sufficient to do what Jesus asked them. Then he's thinking about, then Philip thinking about, listen, this is all we have to feed us and our families. Let alone these 10,000 people. Come on, has anybody ever been in that position? Come on, have you ever been in a, a, a position of what you have is not sufficient? 
Well, Jesus said, since we don't have enough money, we'll just forget about it. Let the people fend for themselves. And let's go get some lunch for us and be done with it. They'll find some food somewhere, somehow. Is that what he said? Well, in the natural, that's what people would have said. We got enough money for us. We going to eat. <laughs> Come on. Then people say, well, he's the son of God. He's Jesus. We ain't Jesus. We need to eat. Come on, say amen, somebody. Now, realizing what are you? You are son of God. Are you a son of God? Yeah, but he had the anointing upon him. What do you have on you? What do you have on you? Yeah, but he was the word of God. What do you have in your hand? The what? The word of God. So listen to me now. So not sufficient, we're going to find out, is not an acceptable answer where God is concerned. Oh, hallelujah. Let me say it again. Not sufficient, come on, is not an acceptable answer where God is concerned, and that's true with you. Tell your neighbor, that's true with you. Now, if he threw away everything he had, mismanaged it, gave the interest to the banks and everybody else, messes up his finances, come on, God's still not going to let you off the hook with non-sufficient. There's some sad faces in there. Glory to God. You are a steward. Geneva, you are a steward. You are a steward, and God expects you to live, even in your financial life and business, properly. Oh, Lord. I might have to have an altar call after this service. Verse 8. <laughs> One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There's a lad here, listen to that, which has finely barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? Now I want to show you, listen now, I want to show you whatever little bit you have can be used by God to be a great blessing to others and provide you with a return if you have the right attitude. Are you with me out there? Amen. Now remember, Jesus is using this as an example to teach one of his 12 disciples and those after the 12, which would be us. Amen. Amen? Verse 10, and Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now, the men will still have to obey what the Lord said. Sit down. Sit down. Oh, come on now. See, the ones who left saying, I don't want to sit down. Or the ones who said, I'm going to stand up. I don't feel like sitting down. They don't get the miracle. Why? Because you got to obey the Lord. Tell your neighbor, you got to obey the Lord. And that's the other thing. You got to obey what the Lord tells you to do. You have to spend time, enough time to do what? To find out precisely what he says to do. That means spend time with him. So here it says, now there is much grass where? In the place. So the men sat down in a number about what? 5,000. We know that's just the men. Not including the women. Not including the children. And it says, and Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, number one, given thanks. Number one, given thanks. He distributed it to the disciples. Number two, thanks, then he distributed. Thanks, then he what? Distributed. And the disciples to them, the disciples did what? 
distributed it. Come on, say amen, somebody. And to them that what that were to them that were sat down, to them that were obedient. Amen. And likewise the fishes as much as they would. Now in Luke's account, keep a marker there and go to Luke chapter 9, verse 16, because this is also key. In Luke's account of this story, notice what it says here. Come on, are you getting anything out of it? You're still following me, right? I ain't losing anybody, right? Okay. Luke 9, 16. Then he took the five loaves and the two fishes. Looking up to heaven, he what? He did what? He blessed them and break and gave to disciples to set before the what? Multitudes. What's he telling us? He says, now you need to change your talk about your little two cent in your bank account. Let me say it again. You need to change your talk about your little two cent in your bank account. Come on, we're still going back to what comes out of your mouth. You need to call that two cent blessed. Come on, you need to call that two cent multiplied. And you need to thank God for the little two cent you do got. If that's all you got. Come on, say amen, somebody. Instead of cussing and saying, well, you don't know how I got. I just got this little bit. You need to thank God for what you do have. And you need to, listen, and you need to be looking for ways to share your little two cent. with some poor person or somebody else or something else. Come on, say amen, somebody. You don't even, listen, you don't even take a bite of food unless you bless your food. You don't go to a restaurant and sit down without blessing your food. At least I hope you don't. Especially today when you don't know what's in your food. Come on, say amen, somebody. Because everything looks artificial nowadays. I mean, everything just greener than it really is. That apple's redder than it really is. Come on, come on. Most of the time, that's not the way it looked when it got off the tree. They put all that stuff in that thing. Come on, say amen, somebody. If you go out to a real orchard, they don't look that bright. What are they doing when they spruce up things? Come on, and make things look pretty by the time it gets to the grocery store. That's called the lust of the eyes. They're appealing to your flesh. Amen. Come on. Listen, you don't eat anything without asking God to bless your food. I don't care if it's an apple or a grape. You don't eat anything without asking God to bless your food. Amen. If there's any impurity in this food, Father, I ask you to remove it in the name of Jesus. Amen. See, if you bless your food, Bless your bank account. Bless every dime you got. Thank God for every dime that comes into your hand. And guess what? And you bless that what you give. Come on, say amen, somebody, for it to be a blessing. Jesus blessed this little two cent. Come on. And Jesus walked this earth as a man, anointed by the Holy Ghost with the word of God, folks. He didn't walk this earth as God. He walked this earth as a man anointed by God. And guess what? You are a woman or man anointed by God yourself. Are you with me out here? So he blessed it. He blessed it and then he started to distribute it. He blessed it, then he began to what? Distribute it. He blessed it, then he began to what? Distribute it. He distributed, folks. He distributed. He distributed. He distributed. Then the disciples got it. And they what? And they distribute. They distribute. They distribute. And guess what happens? During all of that, you got God's anointing on this stuff. And what happens? Multiplication begins to start to happen. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. See, multiplication went to the disciples. It went to who? Disciples. Multiplication went to all the people who came out there that were obedient. Now, going back to John 6, 12, look at what happened here. John 6, 12. Are you there? It said in verse 12, it said, and they were what? 
When they were what? They were filled. He said unto his what? Disciples. Somebody say disciples. He said unto his what? Disciples. Gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. That's another thing right there. God never wastes anything. So he says, gather the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. Verse 13. Therefore they gathered to get that gathered them together and filled how many baskets? How many? How many? Twelve baskets. How many disciples were there? How many disciples were there? Come on. How many had to give out of the treasury to buy that little boy? Why buy what that little boy was selling? Twelve. He said, we all eat out of this. We don't have enough to feed everybody out here, but we're going to call this blessed. Don't you know, concerning the disciples, the money they used to buy that little boy's lunch that came out of their share, that came out their share of the treasury. Come on. It was their share, but guess what? The disciples got to eat with everybody else until they were full. Are you following me out here? It said they gathered them together and filled what? Twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remain over and above. That's when it starts getting fun. Over and above unto them that had eaten. To them that are what? Eaten. Look at this now because what? We've always talked about the little boy receiving the over and above, but that's not what it says here. In that part of the country, that's what little boys do. They stand alongside of the road and sell their goods. This little boy was just a merchant selling what he had to the disciples. You hear what I just said? It says they, the disciples, gathered them together. They filled 12 baskets for each one of them. With the fragments of the five barley loaves which remain over and above, over and above, over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men which had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, that prophet which should come into the world. How many disciples were there? Twelve. Guess what? The twelve disciples got back their investment and then some. They got back their investment and then some. They got to be a part of a miracle. And they got to help over 10,000 people and watch God multiply because they were so blessed. Oh, are y'all with me in here? And that's the way it's got to be with you. You got to praise God with what God gives you. Come on. And you can bless it with, come on, and you bless it. Come on, come on, you bless with it. You buy, come on, you can buy your house. You buy your car, whatever you want. But you should be looking to be a blessing to somebody else. It shouldn't just be going upon your lust. You should be helping the poor. You should be helping somebody else. You should be helping your church or you're doing whatever. But you should be a blessing. You should be a blessing like Abraham was a blessing. And if you'll be a blessing like Abraham was a blessing, you'll get Abraham's reward. What was Abraham's reward? Look at Genesis 24.1. What was Abraham's blessing? Genesis chapter 24, verse 1. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Come on. They got back their investment and some. 
wasn't a little boy that went home with 12 baskets. The 12 disciples that got their return over and above what they gave out of the treasury. Genesis 24, 1, it says, And Abram was old and well stricken in age. And what happened? And the Lord blessed Abram and how many things? Come on, you're blessed in the city, you're blessed in the field. And you're blessed wherever you go. Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on. Now, you'll get blessed when you get. So, come on, you'll get to the point you get so blessed. And persecution comes with the blessing now. Persecution comes with the blessing because people don't like to see you blessed. But the more they persecute you, the more you just keep on being blessed. Come on, say amen, somebody. And guess what? Then you can write a check for those who persecute you and you'll loan them some money and don't even expect it back. And what happened? God will be pleased with your life. Come on. See, there's a supernatural side. So don't just get stuck on the natural. Get over to the supernatural. Get yourself straightened up in the natural. Get over in the supernatural and watch how God quickly changes things. And when you get things straightened out in the natural and get over to the supernatural, guess what? He changes things quickly. Oh, come on. You'll turn around and say, oh, my credit cards are paid off. You'll turn around and say, I'm completely out of debt, and I got money in my bank account. That should be the story of everybody in this room, that I paid off everything. I'm completely out of debt, and I got some money in my bank account. Why? God wants you free of debt. He wants you completely debt-free and have money in a bank so that you can be a blessing and not have any strife in your house and not have all that strife in your body all because of that debt you're dealing with. So it's time to obey God and do what he says and believe God and act like what he says so. Says it so. Come on, say amen, somebody. And watch God produce in our lives. Why? Because God is good. Come on, God is good. He's not moved by the economy. He's not moved by interest rates. He's not moved by, un he's not moved by unemployment rates. He's not moved by car sales. God is El Shaddai. He's a God that's more than enough. He got more than enough, and he's not bound unless you bind him with your mouth. That's the only way he's bound, if you bind him with your mouth. So stop binding God. Take the limits of God and watch God's blessing. Come on, say amen. Watch God's blessing abound in your life. Now lift up your hands right now. Come on, come on, begin to thank God for you that you are blessed. Come on, begin to thank God that you're blessed. Come on. Thank you, God, I'm blessed. Thank God for my bank accounts are blessed. Thank God my investments are blessed. Thank God my house is blessed. Thank God my hands are blessed. Thank God I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. My heart is to be a blessing, and I'll be a blessing in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, say I'm blessed. You're blessed to be a blessing. And I prophesy by the end of next year, I would say 95% of people are going to be out of debt in this room, 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 in this room. By the end of 2016, 
you're going to be out of debt. Owing no man nothing but to love him. Let your hands and begin to give God praise. Let your hands begin to give God glory. Let your hands begin to give God honor. Come on, act like you believe you received that. Come on, everything you touch is going to be blessed. Hallelujah. 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 